Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined by Ian Boyd, X's and O's expert of Inside Texas. Uh, Ian, I tell you what, we got a couple things we want to talk about today. Uh, you wrote an article earlier this week talking about Jake Majors, the center at the University of Texas. He's going to be a three-year full-time starter for the Longhorns this fall. Uh, and talking about a lot of people have tried to, to find a replacement for Jake Majors over the last two years. Uh, they haven't done that. And you think you know why. I want you to explain that to folks. And then also, based on, on uh, yesterday's scrimmage, the last scrimmage of the fall camp uh, for the Longhorns, I wanted to get your take on something that I'm hearing back there about how the defense uh, is kind of uh, dominating at, at times and, and maybe get your feel for that. But let's start uh, with uh, uh, Jake Majors and then the two guard spots next to him. Uh, explain the premise of your article and really what you were trying to get at. Yeah, the, the main idea of the article was that he's kind of a lightning rod for criticism. Uh, whenever Texas has struggled to run the ball and run the ball inside, the normal story goes like, well, it's probably the guy that's the smallest dude up front. Um, the guy that they can't seem to replace as starter, even though they've cross-trained other good players at his position. It must be that they want to get him out of there, but they just can't. And if only they could, the offensive line would be a lot better. And uh, I, he's not an All-American. But he's a pretty good player. And I, I went through and, and detailed how um, some of the games where Texas had the most trouble running the ball um, or against teams that you would have thought if he was the problem that it would have been against the teams that had big, powerful nose tackles that just shoved him around. And like that wasn't Baylor's, Like Baylor's guy, right? Like uh, Baylor's guy, Iowa State, Kansas State. Texas actually ran those teams over. Not necessarily because of majors, but he didn't prevent them from running those teams over the teams that gave him trouble were the teams that used a lot of movement after the snap and really gave problems for Texas's young guards. And in general, where Texas had problems in the offensive line last year, it wasn't with Jake majors being too small or not powerful enough. It was in struggling to uh, execute combo blocks between him and the guards or the, just the guards struggling with uh Good players, post-snap movement in general, slanting, blitzing, etc. So really, the story of where Texas improves on the interior line this year is not by replacing Jake Majors. It's by just getting better and more experienced at guard. Where They have these really talented up-and-coming players, but they just haven't had veterans yet. Well, that, that's the question that I ask, right? I mean... Does that mean Cole Hudson and Hayden Connor in year two would necessarily be better? Or the, the Longhorns right now, they think I think it looks like they're going to start DJ Campbell at right guard, Cole Hudson and Neto Umiazulu uh, trying to work at left guard to see who wins that spot. Um, are, are you hearing, like, would another year of the same lineup be advantageous? Or is this something that is just a, a different kind of category in and of itself. For a while, I thought that they would just run the same five back because you could obviously make a lot of improvements from that. You know, Hayden Connor remade his body over the off season. He's getting better. Uh, Cole Hudson played hurt last year. You know, he's going to be better, but um, they're not doing that probably because DJ Campbell is just a special talent. Uh, we all remember when he was a five-star recruit, 
I thought there was a chance he might start a tackle as a freshman just because he's so physically gifted. Um, but he was, he, he needed a really a year to transition to college football before he was ready. So I think they're, they're going to do as close to that as they can. They're not going to just run it back, but the only upgrade they're making is, uh, is probably just with DJ Campbell sliding in there at right guard. And then, you know, maybe Neto Umezulu could, could take over at left guard, but I, I would, you know, I don't, I wouldn't bet on that. So this is the, the million dollar question, right? Is what, what does that mean for the Texas run game this year? So if, if they're able to get, they just simply need better production from their guards to have a similar run game to last year. Cause obviously, I mean, Texas fans and myself included, you see B. John Robinson uh, on, uh, you know, on Friday, uh, Break a break a run against uh, in the pro game, and you're like, yeah, that's him, right? And to make up for that, Jonathan Brooks and Sed Baxter, while they're very good running backs, they're not necessarily Bijan Robinson, at least not at this point in time. So, what what does that really altogether mean for the potential of the running game? Well, I think it'll just be it'll have a different dynamic. I think it could be as good as last year, based on like raw numbers but just it's going to work differently instead of depending on perimeter blocking and the amazing abilities of the running backs. I think they're going to create a lot of opportunities by spreading the field with the passing game, throwing RPOs to punish defenses when they uh, try to pack in the box. And then, you know, a guy like DJ Campbell, if he's really good, you can make a, you can actually make a pretty big impact when you add one, it, depending on how good he is. Like um, in 2017, I remember Auburn just wrecking Georgia in the regular season. And then they met again in the SEC championship game. And I thought, same story. Like, why would anything change? It's only been six weeks or something. But Georgia had, in, had a, put in a new young right guard named um, Ben Alexander, I think. You remember this kid? Just an enormous person. He looked like that Bjorn, the mountain guy from Game of Thrones. And it made a big difference. And Georgia ran the football in the SEC championship game and beat Auburn pretty handily and then murdered Oklahoma, almost beat Alabama, et cetera. If you add a like five-star true impact guy at guard, it can, it can make a pretty big difference. We'll see yeah. if T.J. Campbell, you know, we'll see if he's that. I don't know. What are you thinking at left guard? Uh, I mentioned the the battle there. I mean, Hayden Connors, the incumbent, but not only is Neto Miyazulu uh, trying to push for that spot, but Con uh, Cole Hudson is as well, uh, coming off the injury and over from right guard. Uh, Hudson, uh, it is said to be have one of the highest IQs on the team when it when it comes to uh, actual uh, football knowledge. Right? You make anything of that, or is that just a let's see how that plays out right now? I would just, I would tend to think it's Connor. You know, he's good at pass protection. He's good in um, pulling and pulling in the, in the play action game. Um, Umeo Zulu didn't really look very comfortable yet at guard in the spring game to my eyes. He looked like he was still, I mean, maybe it clicked since then. That, that kind of, that can happen. But uh, I, I don't think, I think he's going to be hard to beat out. Hudson maybe could do it. Uh, we haven't, I haven't seen him or, or heard a lot about him since um, 
He came back from the torn labrum and has been competing. The only thing, the only significant thing I've heard about him is he's worked some at center and he got beat by Campbell. So I, it's hard for me to, to read the tea leaves to know exactly where, what level he's at now as, as a player. But uh, I would, I would say chalk is uh, Connor. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Got it. All right, uh, let's move to the second piece uh, that we that I wanted to talk about this uh, this morning with you. Talking to Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com. If you're not a subscriber to InsideTexas.com, please consider a subscription. It's just $1 for one month. Uh, you get all the uh, preseason camp news. Uh, then we're going to follow the team all year long like we always do. Uh, Inside Texas has been in business for more than 30 years. Uh, we are the source for Longhorn football news and recruiting. Uh, Ian, a big part of that, as well as myself and, and many others. Ian, I, I want to grab you and ask you this, because uh, yesterday we heard that the defense definitely got the better of the offense in the scrimmage, at least at the very beginning or the, the first part or part of it. Yet we've spent all offseason talking about how the Longhorns uh, have 10 starters returning on offense and that they should be considerably better on offense, right? I mean, more more talent with A.D. Mitchell, Isaiah Nayor back, Quinn Ewers is a second-year guy, all those offensive linemen returning. But the defense, you know, the defense has, I think, seven starters returning. It's not like they have, uh, you know, not a lot of guys returning themselves. Yet we're hearing about them kind of dominating at times. Is it possible, given what we know, that – Texas is more of a defensive team this year than an offensive team. Like a lot of people thought, oh, well, we're going to have all these guys that can score touchdowns. What what is a, a defensive oriented Texas team look like to you? And is that a sense that maybe you get from from what you're hearing behind the scenes as well? I think they will be they might be a better defense than we thought. Um, I think just the Alfred Collins emerging is a big game changer we always knew that was the case that if that guy ever put it together that the, the defense just goes up a level in terms of their ceiling um some of their guys in the secondary we had some reports about uh maybe ryan watts got beat some but malik muhammad continues to make plays and um i ryan watts getting beat by these receivers is not like shocking or astounding <laughs> but that didn't happen last year in the season you know like the caliber of receiver it takes to beat Ryan Watts is pretty up there. So I, I just think that they have really a lot of talent coming together on defense, but I imagine that the offense is still going to end up being a juggernaut despite these reports. Um, if y'all, if, if fans can remember back to 2021, the word out of fall, fall camp was that the defense was just strangling the offense most of the time. And the offense could really not make much against them. Um, you get a very different dynamic in games because the opposing defense doesn't know your plays and your tendencies as well. 
and the game plan is significantly different. In a scrimmage, Sarkeesian might draw up, you know, a half dozen things he wants to test out. He'll he'll do some situational stuff, but he's not going to game plan and force feed his studs the way he will when he has to win a game. Because the goal of a scrimmage for, for offense is, is not to win, right? It's just to get your work in. You also wonder, defense could be made to look like they've dominated a scrimmage, but how much of that came against the second team offense, right? Because your second team offensive line is usually trash if you're in a big program and you're going up. Because like a, a program like Texas, the second team defensive line is going to have a, multiple guys that are real disruptors. Well, they, they have they have the defense, to your point, the defensive line is they are a first team a lot of times because they have to rotate in more frequently than the offensive line does. And so to your point, they're going to be those second team defensive guys. They're definitely going to be counted on for 12 games up front. No doubt. Right. As long as they're healthy. Whereas the offensive line we saw last year, not necessarily so. Right. That's, and that's just how it works at all programs. So that second team offensive line, they're not, they're not even getting worked or prepared as though they were going to be relied on. Cause like only two or three, maybe three of them are really going to be counted on in the season. The rest, it's just, you know, do the best you can and hang on and we'll keep developing you. So um, it's all those things make it hard to read too much. I think in general, you want to hear that the defense is winning scrimmages or else you might have a problem on defense because they just have so many advantages depending on how the head coach structures things from what we've seen of Sark. I, I think that it's definitely a good sign that the defense is winning and they have a lot of playmakers emerging, but I, I don't think that's going to negate the potency that we expect from the offense. We'll see. Got a couple of follow-up questions here for you. And I held them a little bit here. Um, Ryan Watts getting beat. Yeah. Why? Is it because he's not, he doesn't have top-end speed? Is that what you're thinking compared to uh, Isaiah, or Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, those guys? And maybe not everybody in the Big 12 does? Right. And he also – he's good with using his length and his physicality to knock guys off routes and to disrupt things. A lot of Big 12 quarterbacks are going to drop back, see that uh, Ryan Watts is kind of thrown off the plan and the timing, or he's like – reasonably close to the receiver he's got he's six three he's got long arms and they're just going to look elsewhere you know they won't test it i think quinn ewers with ad mitchell will just test him you know let, let, let's let's yeah. ask this yeah i, I get it too yeah yeah and then essentially those guys i i feel like that's a tough matchup for ryan watts right um and that's ultimately what it is i wonder if they're not if they're not playing the if they're deciding that whether or not they have to play a safety over the top with Ryan Watts more frequently now. So is is that a harbinger of things to come for him and what the defensive style looks like? I think we'll wait and see what happens with how much pressure they're able to get up front. Which leads me into my second thought. Okay, one of the guys we heard that uh, played well in the scrimmage again yesterday uh, was another true freshman alongside Manny Muhammad. That is Anthony Hill. Um, is he another one of the reasons? Is his emergence as well as Alfred Collins another one of those? Are those guys that you think 
makes this a stronger defense uh, above what you maybe thought going into the offseason, right? Because really we're, we're trying to say this late in the game, we know they have the guys, but are we recalibrating expectations for Texas on defense versus what we've heard and seen uh, from, uh, from practices? Yeah, I, mean, I think Collins would be number one because he's an every down guy. Um, Hill or Muhammad, probably Hill number two, just because I don't think Muhammad will start this year, but I don't know. They, every, every week that we hear more about him, he seems like he's like Derek straight 2.0. He's, he's, he's disturbing the peace. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's what, if, if you could write down a, a, a comment about uh, Anthony Hill, it would be, you know, freshman from Denton disturbing the peace. Hill, yeah. Hill, Hill could probably have a big impact without even being a starter. Cause we know that they're going to want to package him on third down and give him a chance to just attack. Um, maybe he can win the starting Sam job. And then every game where that matters, then he has, uh, standout performances in those games. So I think, I mean, he could end up with like eight to 12 tackles for a loss, four to six sacks or something, which is pretty big time production, but only as a package player and only as a backup. So I, I think he definitely raises the the bar for what the defense could become, um, whether or not he's even a starter. And then, you know, we'll see how that plays out over the course of the year. Here's the one you, you mentioned those two, Alfred Collins and uh, Anthony Hill. I, I tell you the one that s- sticks with me right now, and I, and I cross my fingers as I say this, but it's it's Jalen Catalan. Um, we did not know after spring exactly what his shoulder would do, how he would react, um, but he changes the defense as well as uh, if, in my opinion, as much or more than either of those two do, guys do because. I think he's a guy that turns you over. I get, but maybe the the pass rush ability of Collins and and Hill also are, are factors in turning people over, right? I mean, w- what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'll probably still Collins number one if he's really, you know, if he's really a game changer, like it sounds like he might be. But Catalan, um, yeah, just the turnovers and the plays that he makes. He's a he's a film rat. He jumps tendencies. He's in a scheme that's going to really set him up to do that a lot um, with the the match quarters that they installed last year, where he's just kind of play with a little depth, see what's going on and then just run to the ball based on his reads. I, I really hope we get to see it. I think he could have, you know, remember in like uh, 2009 when Earl Thomas had like eight interceptions or something wild. I, I don't know about, and interceptions exactly, but I think that level of impact playmaking could be on the table if Catalan can have a healthy season. Because he's so instinctive. Because he's so, yeah, because he's just, he's Visa, he's everywhere you want to be. <laughs> good job. That's his new nickname, Visa. All right. Hey, uh, Ian, that was a good discussion and a good way to end it on this Sunday morning. Uh, for Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com, I'm Bobby Burton. Uh, that's been a Sunday talk with Ian Boyd.